Life Audio. Do you sometimes doubt if you're truly hearing God's voice or if it's really your own? Or have you been in a season where it feels like He's completely silent? Have you been praying for a way to learn how to hear His voice more clearly? Hey friends, I'm Rachel, host of the Hearing Jesus Podcast. If you are ready to grow in your faith and to confidently step into your identity in Christ, then join me as we dig deep into God's Word so you can learn to live out your faith in your everyday life. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Hearing Jesus Podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Grohl, and today we have my friend Christy on as part of the Friends and Family series that we're doing this week. And Christy, I would just love for you to introduce yourself to our audience and just tell us a little bit about your story. Oh, thank you, Rachel. I'm so excited to be here. I just thank you so much for having me. So yeah, I'm Christy. I I live in London, but I actually grew up in Los Angeles. And I've got two kids over here and I am a sobriety coach. And so should I just dive in to kind of go where, how I got there? Uh, Yeah. I mean, maybe could you explain a little bit for people that don't know what a sobriety coach is and then what led you into that field in the first place? Yeah, sure. So I work with women either one-on-one or in groups and we work together, you know, for those women that are wine is getting in the way for them or alcohol is getting in the way for them for them right it's affecting their marriages or relationships or they just don't even have you know enough energy or they've lost patience with their kids you know i think society i could go on and on but i think society we think we have to have some sort of like massive rock bottom moment but i think that when i end up on the other side of a zoom call from women it just is very much like it's getting in the way of their relationship with their family, with Jesus. It's making them exhausted and they just know that they were meant for more. And so I kind of got to, you know, to the place where I wanted to be certified and help other women with this because I obviously had that struggle. Right. So I was I was using wine for so many different reasons. I was giving it so many jobs to help me be more social, to be more fun, to help me connect with my husband You know, there's a whole mommy wine culture out there saying that, you know, we need wine to parent and that makes us better parents. And so I gave alcohol so many jobs and I just got to the point where I was just exhausted by it all and didn't have a rock bottom moment and didn't have anybody to talk to about it and didn't know anybody that was another Christian woman like me that was struggling with it. Everybody that I knew, literally everybody were drinkers. I didn't know any non-drinkers. And so... I ended up getting really personal and open about my journey on Instagram. And I had so many people from every season of my life reach out, just ask about like, oh my gosh, why did you decide to, you know, give up wine? And are you really sleeping better? And is your relationships better? And what do you do? Like a dinner table at a restaurant, like what do you order? You know, like all these different questions. And so it was then where I was just like, okay, God, this is, is this what you want me to do? You know, it's just a, you want me to help people. And so I took it and ran with it and got a couple certifications. And it's just the most meaningful work because I get to sit across from a Zoom, you know, like we are right now and and talk to people that maybe don't feel like they have anybody else to talk to about this because it is it can be taboo and it can be really taboo in church, too. So that's a really quick way of say, telling you how I ended up here. Yeah. 
Yeah. And, you know, I think that issue is one that's like socially acceptable. So, you know, if you are somebody that drinks wine, you know, nobody knows what things are like behind closed doors and how much you're drinking or how much you're using it for like those different areas you mentioned. But, you know, I'm from the East Coast and I notice even when I go to the West Coast, the wine culture is so much different. It's so much more acceptable. And even within church circles, Christian circles, And I thankfully have not struggled with that, but I have family members that have. And so I've been on the other side of things when I have seen alcohol affect my relationships because the person I was in relationship with used it and it was so damaging. They used it in excess in a way that was abusive. And so I think this is an issue that touches a lot of people, whether or not they are the ones personally that may be using alcohol as as a vice in some way, or even if they're not, even if they're just, you know, I think sometimes like you kind of mentioned this, it's not even about like hitting rock bottom. But if you are going to that glass of wine instead of going to Jesus, that is mm-hmm. a problem. It's a problem for spiritualized. And maybe you've only ever had, you know, it's one drink a week. But if that is your coping mechanism, instead of going to Christ, that can be dangerous for believers. And I think, like you said, there's not a lot of resources on that. It's not like an open conversation that women are having with each other because even when you have a conversation, it's like, it's like, well, you know, it's not that big of a deal. You didn't, you're not drinking that much. You're not a drunk or, or whatever. And so it's almost like a black and white issue. It's socially acceptable until you get too far. And then it's like, okay, get your life together. What are you doing? But in that in-between stage, I think that's where a lot of moms find themselves, especially because I think post-COVID, like that was a coping mechanism for so many moms. Oh, yeah. Because we had nothing else. I mean, there's just not a lot going yeah. on. And so you would have Zoom wine nights where women would just get together on Zoom and, and chit-chat and drink because it helps. And I think that's the hard part for a lot of women is not just stopping, but then also finding healthy, appropriate ways to balance things out and to have some replacement behavior patterns. Yeah, I love that so much. And I think, you know, one of the things that stuck out to me, it was just like when I was looking at even just the fruits of the spirit, right? Like, that's what we're supposed to be filled with. And when I think of like my joy, you know, which was ended up being totally zapped by alcohol because of, and this is what I go through with clients is just when you get into the scientific brain chemistry, neurochemistry of what actually alcohol does to your dopamine levels and your serotonin and like everything like that. It was actually like literally zapping me of joy. And it was lowering my baseline mood so much that, you know, I was at the point where like nothing was fun unless alcohol was included. Right. Like and this is when we we get to the point where like this is why alcohol is being served at kids birthday parties or, you know, in a tumbler on the soccer like field. Nothing is fun without alcohol because we've tweaked our like brain chemistry so much that we can't even feel that joy. So I was like, well, that fruit of the spirit has been shot. What else has? And then there was peace. And I mean, I won't even go into like the peace. I didn't have any patience with my kids because I was had that low grade irritability, like slight headache all the time just from having two, three glasses of wine every night, but every night, you know, and it was this this treat, this reward, this like be all end all of what I was, you know, supposed to be, as you mentioned, like the socially acceptable way of being a mom, but it was completely like counteracting every way that I was supposed to be kind of like living as a Christian, if that makes sense. Yeah. You know, what would you say to somebody that's listening that says, well, you know what, I don't drink that much. And I thought the Bible said it's okay to drink wine. What would you say? Yeah. Yeah. And so this is that I love that you brought that up. That is what we, me and my co-host named our podcast is 
but Jesus drank wine, right? Because I actually have heard that at Bible studies before. And this is the thing, right? It's you actually said it so beautifully. It's like it was it was get if it's getting in the way of your relationship with Jesus, then it's taking on another like kind of life of its own. It's becoming an an idol, right? If if that's what we're going to instead of going to the word or to to God to fix something. And this is what I work on with clients is like, what are the jobs that you're giving alcohol? Like, is it to relax? Well, ultimate peace, like we find in Jesus. But if it's to relax, then we can look at, well, is that really true or not? Well, no, because alcohol actually raises our adrenaline and our cortisol levels, making us more anxious actually for days later. And so it's just getting into those, why are you drinking, right? Why? Because a lot of those whys I have found in my own personal life can be filled with, you know, Jesus, God, the Bible, as opposed to a substance that's altering our brain chemistry and making us in the end, on the whole, feel a lot worse than we, you know, when we got there. For sure. For sure. Do you feel like you had an aha moment? Like what changed things for you? Yeah, such a great question. I was laying in bed on the two year anniversary of my mom's death. And I was I had a hangover because I had been out like the day before the night before. And I was scrolling through my Instagram and everything looked perfect. Like I had a blog that was for expat women that had moved from the U.S. to the U.K. over here. I had been asked to commentate on Harry and Meghan's wedding at Windsor Castle. Like I had all this beautiful, like glamorous looking life on my Instagram. And I just like I burst into tears and I was like, God, this is so not real. Because I'm not happy. I'm broken. I am in just so much heavy grief from losing my mom that I can't even process. And I'm just drinking to numb. And it's just not real, right? I was just looking. I was literally like looking at my Instagram. I'm like, this is so fake. (laughs) Because look at me now. My mascara is all over the place. I don't, I feel awful. (laughs) And I was, I just literally cried out to do this. And I was like, I can't do this anymore. I don't want to do this anymore. Yeah. Yeah. You know, one of the things that I thought about when you were just talking right now is how we see this all the time. And actually, this is not even the first time this week in the Friends and Family Week that has come up with different subjects. But it's how the enemy always tries to offer a counterfeit of Mm. what God's truth is. And so even in the area of things like peace and joy, you know, trying to get those things from alcohol, from wine is, you know, it might be a temporary substitution for those things, but it's a counterfeit of true joy and true peace that God offers. And it's so interesting to me how that plays out in a variety of different ways, whether it's in marriage or, you know, like a marriage and adultery kind of situation or just lots of different things. But even in this situation, we can see how the enemy has tried to take something and pervert it to offer Mm -hmm. a counterfeit of the truth of the way God created us and operate us to work in the context of our relationship with him. And so it's so interesting to me to think through that and the dynamics of that. And listen, I'm not saying that if somebody has a glass of wine at dinner that they're evil. Like, that's not what I'm I'm not saying that either. Yeah. (laughs) You know, and that's not what I'm saying. I know for me, because I worked as an outreach pastor for a long time, even like in public, we would never drink. My husband and I would never drink because we worked with a lot of people that really struggled with alcoholism with like celebrate recovery and those kinds of things. And we didn't want our, you know, our, if somebody saw us in public drinking, we wouldn't want anybody to 
stumble or trip in their walk with the Lord or their sobriety journey. So we just always abstained. And so it's always interesting to me how defensive I think people get, even Mm -hmm. when people are not like they don't necessarily have an alcohol problem, but it is part of their lifestyle. Like I was at an event for a ministry and everybody else was drinking. I wasn't drinking. I just I don't drink. I came up with a family that was really affected by alcoholism. So I just, as a rule, don't don't really drink maybe once a year or something. And so I didn't even say anything. Like I was just drinking my water, having a good time. And it was amazing to me how defensive people got when they found out I wasn't drinking and tried to convince me to drink. And this was at a Christian event even. And I thought, man, like, why is this such a trigger for people? Like, why is this such a hot button trigger when... I'm not even antagonizing anything. I'm just sitting over here drinking my ice water. Why do you think that is? Oh, yes. I love this question so much because it was also one of my biggest fears is being the girl with the sparkling water or whatever the mocktail and having those questions directed at me. And what I have learned is that it it comes from the fact that there is such a stigma of being this quote unquote problem, quote, problem drinker or alcoholic, right? That is this person that is other and that has, you know, a a disease. And so you don't want to be that person. You want to be the other person. You want to be the normal person that doesn't have the problem and doesn't have a disease. And so what happens is, is that those people, when they're coming to you asking you why you're not drinking, are really worried that if you're not drinking, maybe that means that they shouldn't be drinking. And if they shouldn't be drinking, does that mean that they have a problem and that they are an alcoholic and that they need to put down their drinks. And when you don't know that, like, it can be possible in other ways of not, you know, being this and like, no shade to AA, it's helped millions of people. But if you think that that's the only way, that can be scary for some people. And this idea of having, and this is a product of big alcohol, right? This is, it's drink responsibly, you're the problem. It's not the addictive drug that kills 5 million people a year and that is the third biggest, you know, preventable cause of death in the U.S. The alcohol is not the problem. It's the person that can't handle it is the problem. And nobody wants to be that person that has the problem, the disease, the other. And so when you say I'm not drinking that you're holding up a mirror to whoever is questioning you, who is then nervous that, oh, my gosh, Rachel's not drinking. Does that mean that I shouldn't be drinking? And if I'm not drinking, does that mean I have a problem? And does that mean I'm different? And does that mean I'm diseased? And does that mean I have to X, Y, Z? Yeah, yeah. I mean, do you have suggestions on how to respond in those situations? Yeah, so I mean, I normally just say, you know, never because... What a lot of my clients like to say is, should I say that I'm like running a marathon or <laughs> or something? I always say, tell the truth. And if you're in the middle of like, you know, experimenting, getting curious with a break from alcohol, just say that you feel better, you know, which for so many of my clients is true that like, OK, I am. I actually you know when I'm sleeping a lot better without alcohol or I just have so much more patience with my kids. But if you come down to like, I feel better, I think you're going to get a lot less pushback because if they're your, you know. If it's a friend friend, they're not going to say, I want you to feel bad drinking. But if you say, I drove, they might say, take an Uber. (laughs) So I always say, make it about how you're feeling and that you're feeling better. Yeah, that's a good point. So 
What do you think would be some key practical steps? If so, we have listeners that are like, yeah, you know what? That's me. Like, I don't necessarily think I have a problem with alcohol, but I definitely know it's stealing my joy. I definitely know that I'm leaning on it too much. I definitely know it's getting in the way of my relationship with Jesus. Like, what would you say to that woman that's maybe just thinking like, okay, well, what do I do from here? How do I take steps to resolve this? Yeah, I would say the first step is just getting really curious about those reasons why you're drinking. And for a lot of us, you know, we don't even know it just becomes such an ingrained habit, end of the day habit. But like, what is it that you're looking for in that glass of wine? Is it rest? Is it reward? Is it because you feel like you need to connect with either your husband or your girlfriends or whatever? Is it a treat? You know, I honestly held the belief that I thought red wine help me sleep at night until I actually got really curious about what wine actually does to our sleep. It it destroys it. So what are you drinking it for? Is it for confidence? That's another one I deal with a lot. And then, you know, go on and take a break with an experimental mindset. And by that, I mean, you don't have to say forever. You don't have to say you don't have to count days if you don't want. Just try the situations that you know, you're worried about without alcohol and see how it pans out. Like, be really curious. Go on an experiment and see what you discover. Like, why are you drinking? And then the flip side of that is like, is that really true? Is it really giving you what you're drinking it for? Yeah. What do you think some of the benefits are of living alcohol free? Like, if we have someone that's listening, that's like, well, I just don't want to. Like, what? You know, because I think sometimes it is almost like a security blanket for a lot of women you know, it's the way that they de-stress. And even though, you know, scientifically, we know that that's not a long-term solution, it's just more detrimental than anything. What do you think some of the benefits are, you know, if they were to get to that place of experimenting and besides just like maybe feeling better, you know, what do you think that living alcohol-free does for you, I guess, both physically and spiritually? Yeah. Yeah. Let's do spiritually first, because I think we can just go right back to the fruits of the spirit, right? Like I touched on a little bit about how alcohol affects your joy levels because of what it does to your dopamine and serotonin and everything like that. And so it does actually scientifically rob you of your joy, of your ability to have a joyful mood. And then, you know, when we get to talking about peace, I was thinking about alcohol every single day because that's how I ended my days as like my relaxation and my reward. And that mental real estate that alcohol ends up taking up, it completely robs you of your peace. Like I always tell this story of like going out to dinner and I can see it when other people are doing it now that I'm on this side is like, are you really thinking about whatever conversation you're in? Are you thinking about the next drink or if the waiter is going to bring you the wine list or if you are going to need to be the one that orders the next bottle and it's constantly like thinking about alcohol and then when you you know, or compound that with having to think about being hung over the next day. It like it basically takes up so much mental real estate, which in my opinion killed my peace. <laughs> yeah. Patience, obviously, with if you have children, I have two young kids. I have so much more patience with both my husband and my kids now because I'm just I'm more well rested. My anxiety levels aren't as high because of the adrenaline and cortisol, like all of that stuff. I am co- more connected with Jesus, because I actually get up in the morning and pray because I've actually slept. (laughs) And so I have more energy, you know, to to have that early morning time with him, which is now like a non-negotiable. 
So, I mean, there's so many things, but I think those are the top of my spiritual ones. Just it was completely robbing me of like my relationship of Jesus altogether because I wasn't putting in the time because it was just this kind of waking up exhausted, headache, low grade irritability, not reading the Bible, just trying to get through the day. And then on the physical front, I mean, better skin, (laughs) better skin, better, you know, but no blotchiness, no dark circles under the, the eyes. I've had clients say their eczema has cleared. I feel so much more healthy and strong in my body because I work out. Joy- this is a whole nother thing. I love talking about joyful movement as opposed to punishing myself with exercise for drinking. And so I actually enjoy working out because of the mental health benefits it has as opposed to punishing myself for drinking too many calories. And so because of that, I feel stronger in my physical body as well. You know, clearer eyes, like better hair, all it does everything because alcohol dehydrates you so much and dehydration shows up in your skin and your hair and everything. Yeah. You know, one of the things that we talk about on the show is just a lack of confidence that so many women have in telling the difference between God's voice in their lives and either their own thoughts or the thoughts of the enemy and then also struggling to even recognize if God's speaking to them at all in the first place. And one of the things we talk about is like, what are those barriers to hearing God's voice? And do you think that consuming alcohol on a regular basis is a barrier to hearing God's voice in your life? Oh, yeah. I mean, it was for me. 100% it was for me because I wasn't having honest conversations with him. And part of that was that I knew that I wasn't, that I was putting wine before him. And so who am I to like ask anything of him or ask for forgiveness for this behavior when I knew I was just going to do it again the next morning, you know? So it became this massive block in my relationship with him because I was like, well, I'm not going to ask for forgiveness for drinking too much because I know I'm just going to do it again. Yeah. And then if I'm not going to ask for forgiveness, I'm not going to ask him for any help because who am I to ask help if I'm just like living like this? That makes sense. Did I answer the question? (laughs) Yeah, you did. And, you know, I think like anything else, um, any kind of struggle that we have, any kind of sin that we have or anything that is making us feel defeated. I don't know if you're like this, but for me, like I really hesitated even inviting God into that situation. Like it's mm-hmm. not like obviously he knows what I'm doing. You know, right. In my mind, it's like I had blinders on. It's like, well, if I just don't talk to God about this, then he's, you know, he's not going to see it. And I'm just going to pretend that it didn't happen today. And, you know, we'll hope for a better day tomorrow. And I think that is a common way that the enemy keeps us trapped because yeah. God is not just a father, but he's a good father. And if I think about this in terms of my own kids, if they're struggling with something, I want to help them. I don't want them to be isolated and struggle on their own. Like I want to come alongside of them and support them and love them and give them accountability or whatever it is. And so when I, that was a perspective shift for me when I realized like, when we are struggling, God wants to be part of that process. Like, in fact, that's how we get through it. Like, we cannot do that on our own. Like, it's too hard of a task for us to, not just like from the physical aspect of like an addiction standpoint, but even just from the emotional side of things, the way that we depend on things outside of God, like that transition between depending on things of this world versus depending on God, we need His help with that. And so inviting Him into that process is so important. So... Yeah. Yeah. Do you feel like once you made the switch and you started thinking about this differently, do you feel like you 
like maybe how long did it take for you to maybe make the transition? Like once you started to feel like you were getting joy back or getting peace back, like how did that process shake out for you? Yeah, such a good question. It was very incremental and it is different for everyone, right? So like the first thing I remember is that I was properly sleeping and getting proper rest after getting really horrible rest after decades of drinking because even one glass of wine affects your REM sleep, which is what, you know, the sleep that our brain actually needs to restore itself. And so I noticed that after, you know, a month and then the joy was like, it kind of, honestly, I think it, I always say this, I think it just keeps getting better. <laughs> but after like, you know, month two and then month three, and then actually enjoy, like really enjoying being with my kids, even though I did the, you know, this happened for me during COVID, like being trapped in a room with them, I found enjoyable, which I never would have found enjoyable before. And so it was just, you know, and then I think when you end up having these life experiences, right? So then you go on your first alcohol-free vacation and you realize how amazing it can be to come back from a vacation rested and not needing a vacation from your vacation. And I think it's just like, I think what it ties, you know, comes down to is just like going back to these life experiences, Christmas, birthdays, and experiencing them alcohol-free and realizing not only are they bearable and doable, but they're so wonderful when you're not dumbed down, numbed out, and, you know, a, a different version of the authentic, like, woman of God that you really want to be. And so I think it just, and it keeps getting better the more you kind of live without it, I think. Oh, I love that. Love that. Well, I really appreciate you taking the time to kind of walk through this with us. I think it's a very common experience that a lot of women have. And one of the things I always do at the end of the show is I always have an opportunity to pray for the women that are listening. And I wondered if you would pray for our listeners and specifically maybe pray for somebody that's right in that space right now. Like, you know, they're realizing, okay, they might not feel like they're a full-fledged alcoholic, but they definitely recognize that they're leaning on alcohol or they're that glass of wine, that nightly glass of wine, just too much. They're looking forward to it too much. And I think even the way that you said it was so powerful, it's taking up too much mental real estate. So if they have found themselves taking too much mental real estate, I would like you specifically to pray for that. And then when we're done, I want to ask you about how our listeners can find you if they're wanting some extra help in this area. Great. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the opportunity to have this conversation today, God. I just am so grateful to Rachel and to her listeners. And I just, Lord, I pray for the woman right now that's hearing this and thinking, okay, maybe now is the time to just try to see if the wine or the alcohol is getting in the way and it's getting in the way of my relationship with my husband or my children, but also with the, you know, with my relationship with, with you, Jesus, because of giving the alcohol so many jobs. And Lord, I just pray that that woman that's listening today would just know that she's not alone because there are so many women out there that have the same questions and the same struggle, Lord. And so I just pray that you would bring her peace, the peace that only you can bring that surpasses all understanding, Lord, that there is a way out from this and there is like hope and there is connection out there for her, Lord. So I just pray that you would continue to speak to her heart and that she would be able to find your peace. Amen. 
Amen. Thank you so much. So how can people find you if they are in this place and they're like, listen, I don't really know what a sobriety coach is, but I need one and I want to try this. Or I know you have a book that you're working on right now. So just tell us how we can find you, how people can follow up after today's show. Yeah, sure. So I post every day on Instagram. I try to offer really like great value there. A lot of like coaching tactics just come through my posts there. And so that's at Love Life Sober with Christy, C-H-R-I-S-T-Y. And then my website is lovelifesober.com. And that's got information about my coaching. And then I also have a podcast, which is called But Jesus Drank Wine and Other Stories That Kept Us Stuck. So we drop episodes there every Monday. That's great. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. I'm really thankful for you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Hey, friends, as we lean into a new month and we continue to learn and grow together, there's a couple resources I want to make sure you know about so you can take advantage of. The first is our Patreon page, and the link for that is in the show notes. And on the Patreon page, we have a couple things. We have a dedicated space that is for discussion, for asking questions. You get easy access to me where we talk about things. We hold each other accountable. There are resources that go with the show, like a journaling prompt worksheet download for every single adult show. We also have family discussion guides. And what's really been neat about those is that on the kids show every day, I talk about the same content that's on the adult show, just taught in a way that kids can understand. Then the family discussion guides create an environment for you to process that information with your children. You can use that at the dinner table or even as part of your devotional routine. There's some suggested prayer and activities and things to help you connect that content to the appropriate age for your children. So all of that is on the Patreon. Also, there's some prophetic words, extra videos, transcripts, all those kinds of things. The second is on our website. If you go to shehears.org, there's a shop resources page that has my Bible studies that I've written, links to different journaling Bibles, note-taking Bibles, all sorts of resources to help you grow. And then also on our website, we have the coaching section. If you are finding that you need some spiritual direction or life coaching, that is available for you as well. And that's really good to help you process what you're learning. If you're feeling stuck, if you need to work through something, if something just isn't sitting right, or if you want to teach this content and you need to help develop a plan, I'm available to help you do that as well. Again, all of these are resources to help you grow in your spiritual life and hear God's voice more clearly. I want to take just a second to thank the team at Life Audio for their partnership with us on the podcast. If you go to lifeaudio.com, you will find dozens of other faith-centered podcasts in their network. They've got shows about prayer, Bible study, parenting, and more. Hey friends, if this podcast helped encourage, empower, or equip you in your walk with God, I would love it if you would head over to Apple Podcasts and leave me a review. That's the number one way you can support my show. You can also join our free Facebook community or Instagram page where I share inspirational tips, bonus content, resources, and prayer throughout the week. Hey, I want you to know I'm praying for you. Know that you are so loved. Keep going.